Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Varney And the always excited Mike and Deglio! Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. I try not to give away spoilers, but guys, it's the return of Joey Harris! I'm always excited to join you for the podcast, but today I am exuberant! Yeah! Yes! And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which my old buddy Mike and I discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, after a run of... uh, Disappointing. I, I'm not mad. I'm disappointing. Disappointed episodes uh, throughout season six, guys. Very exciting. Uh, spoiler alert in the title. There's no point in pretending it's not going to happen. We're going to talk about season six, episode eighteen, the return of Joey Herrick. Who? How's it going, Mike? Uh, it's going great, man. I uh, I think as we've said the past few uh, the past few weeks. We've been busy, we've been stressed out, lots of stuff going on. Most of that is in the past now. Uh, I have a little bit of a stretch of time here that is less stressful. I've gotten back to watching some TV, doing some r and I've been to the beach, I'm going on vacation in like two weeks, three weeks. I'm really oh, yeah? psyched. Wait, where are you going? Uh, we're going up to the cabin uh, to spend a week unplugged so we're gonna have to talk about doubling up at some point although oh. we have enough of the other show in the can we got to get this one in there nice uh, yeah things are good man and now and then so i was excited to join you today anyway just to talk chit chat do some sure, things sure. but then i don't actually see any of the information for the episode until i sit down to do the pre-work it's about half an hour of setup usually and uh <laughs> i saw joey's face i've been asking and you've been so good at making it seem like He's not probably not coming back, or you never know. we don't know. And uh, so <laughs> this was like a little bit of Christmas today when I saw his face. Oh my goodness! Yes, yeah. Well, and I—it's an interesting decision on their part to just give it away in the title. But I think they were like, guys, like ratings are probably slipping just a hair, and they're like, let's not, you know, let's let's not gild the lily here. Like it's Joey Herrick; he's coming I back. I suspect this was like because you got to remember. Kids, uh, mm. the, mm. you, st- you didn't even have the guide button on your TV. You had to pick up the TV guide, which was like yeah, a magazine true. that you got in the mail. And mm-hmm. if there was like a big return for somebody, probably it might not have been on the on the cover because the show wasn't like huge at the time. But there was definitely a splash on the page somewhere. And so you'd see, oh, my God, Joey Herrick, I got to tune in. Nope. I don't know if DVR was even happening at this point. So you had to hit that VHS, get it ready to record. Yeah, I think this was the absolute 
earliest, I, I don't think TiVo was out yet. I might be wrong, but I don't think so. I had a video capture card and a tuner in mm -hmm. my computer. So technically, I could record uh, stuff off of the air. However, it was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't uh, great. wasn't great. It wasn't great. wasn't great. And Lord knows, getting uh, trying to time that up was a little bit better than the old-timey VCR you had to program. Oh, that... Kids, you'll never know. You'll never know the terror of did I actually set it to record the game correctly? Is it did I do 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. and you got to press the button 17 times so it gets to, and then like another button to confirm. It was terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, uh, hooray! One more we don't thing have to do that I want to point out. Sorry, we're all over the place. But before I forget, I uh, recently did a couple gigs for for this other. I think we showed a video last week. Schmerzy, I got a little. Schmerzy. Yeah, I got a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, a cash for that, and I wanted to like treat myself. So I had been flirting with an iPad, and you know they're they're on the expensive side. And oh yeah, as is all Apple products. Though I always think any Apple product, your return on investment is very sound because they're mm -hmm. great. Uh, however, I was doing a pros cons list of like eh, this is like really a luxury item because I really don't need it. I have my work computer, I have a laptop, all this stuff. Right. <laughs> But I have to tell you that in the pro column, because, <laughs> you know, it comes with the Apple Pencil. You can do jot some notes and stuff. <laughs> I literally put down, for work, take notes, hi, Koopsie, for oops. <laughs> <laughs> that is why you needed an $1,100 iPad you didn't need. Uh, well, luckily, uh, the educational discount, it, it wasn't that expensive. But that said, I have it. I'm going to take the notes. Uh, <laughs> for the high cozy for work. Tech, work. I, I love how you call it work. Well, you know, it's a small business. It's very small, but small nonetheless. <laughs> Is it a business? It's small. I don't know if it's a business. But uh, no, I honestly, like, I, uh, about this time last year, got my first iPad. And I got an old used, like, pro version one. So it, it was only like 400 bucks, but I use that every damn day. It's awesome. You know, it's like when you want to surf, your phone is usually good for it, but sometimes you want a little bit of extra and, and you got to Yeah. You got to do well, it. I mean for me and you know, and I struggle with this because uh I I'm old, I'm an old school musician and I I prefer a hard copy. I want to mm -hmm. turn pages. I want to look at two pages at once. And, you know, and I know, like, the environmentalist in me is like, what are you doing, buddy? Get, get with the times. Uh, but it is really handy to be able to have access to everything I've ever written on my iPad wherever I go in the world. And, uh, and Fourscore allows you to, to, to work through it pretty easily. So The future is nice now, man. Tech. The future, future is, now. is now. Well, uh, Apple, if you're listening, we'll happily review the latest iPad on YouTube. You just have to send us one. Sure. Yeah, I'm in for our uh, for our two listeners. All right. Well, let us continue forward and talk about our most important listeners and/or people who sit in the back of the room and silently judge us while we podcast in a segment we call. We have tried for years to make this podcast a success. We failed. It's time to give the world what it wants. Meow. Mike has 25 more seconds to tell us what's going to happen in this episode.
And now, and, and now he's got no audio. Boy, stuff is I, going. Did I disappear? Uh, oh, there no, you me? are. Now you're back. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. So all kinds of, all kinds of shit's happening. mashing buttons all over the place. <clears throat> yes, talk to me about the cat, uh, or do you have any questions for me? Because I'm, I'm prepping something, Keith, for a little story I want to tell you, so that's why I'm... It looks oh, like I'm working, I see. So, working so furiously over here. You you want me to fill uh, while you prepare? Well, uh, first off, I'm very excited about your cat, and I'll let you talk about it. But I've I've got some updates uh, throughout the week because I I get updates from Mike throughout the week, and you don't. Uh, but that's uh, true. It is true. You do not. This week, uh, so uh, Charlie and I have had uh, the house to ourselves because Jillian is house sitting another person's cat. Hey, whereabouts? Uh, in Queens, in Astoria. So oh, she got a chance to go back. Yeah, she got to be back in the hood for a week and uh, start reacclimating with the city just a little bit on the subway for the first time since March of Ooh. 20. Good freaking Lord. Uh, but anyway, so we've been texting pictures uh, of our the various cats back and forth as uh, Charlie and I bachelorhood running around and by running around basically i watch the olympics he's bored silly and stares out a window so yeah, that sounds about right yeah that's that's what we've been up to uh it's been uh it's been fun it's been fun uh yeah things here are great with the little guy he uh he continues to astound me in that he's yeah. everything i wanted in a cat he's super playful kitten style so he plays but like and things are altering slightly because he's getting into the terrible whatever week he's in but he doesn't ever like scratch up the carpet or the wall or any place you don't want him to scratch. We got a brand new couch we paid a lot of money for, and he doesn't scratch the couch. Only scratches on his scratchers, which my other cats never even sniff. They have no interest in the scratchers. He's all about that. He eats all his food. Uh, he made friends with the mon- with the danger cat I talked about last week. Danger and this cat. week he started snuggling afternoon naps with my oldest cat, who has been thus far unimpressed with having a friend but now she's he's now snuggled with both cats and is like has been truly the missing link it's really been really awesome he's so likable and i i forget if i said it uh last week but like i thought you getting a third cat was the worst idea i could possibly Eh, think of most most everybody agrees with that yeah and it turned out to work so uh i mean who am i who i apparently did not know that the secret to your cat life was adding a third cat who knew? Uh, my, we just went and visited two more cats. Not for me. No, uh, no, for, no, for, no. For my mom. For my mom, who has expressed as she's an old, uh, she's seventy-seven this year, and she's expressed she's a little lonely in my her little apartment under my brother's house. So we found these two really cool cats, Ollie and Cindy. They're brother and sister. They're like a year plus, and they're looking for a forever home. And so um, we went and visited with my mom, and I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get her some friends. Oh well, that that is a great that's that's a great idea. Cats are really good companions. They're low maintenance, uh, but they're really good companions. That's nice. My my grandfather, before he died, had a had a cat uh, for his last ten years or so, and that was really really nice uh, for both of them. They uh, they really had a good time. So uh, cool, yeah. So uh, we have a surprise segment. It's not really a surprise because well, you said no, we were going to do yet. it. Not oh, yet. No, no. I okay. have a little surprise before we get there. Oh, do tell. So, a little story for everybody, and it somehow it's actually going to loop back into what uh, the show's about. So my my sister, uh, her two kids are on the rambunctious side, and they've been and accused of murder, and we need times. to plan be your mom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and 
they don't handle overnights very well. Uh, in fact, it's one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life is trying to watch my niece overnight. She uh, she basically uh, became possessed by the devil, but that's a story for a different time. Mm-hmm. So uh, my sister had su- wanted to surprise her husband. He's a huge fan of The Sopranos. And so oh, right. there was a Soprano con uh, in Atlantic City yesterday, and she got him tickets. And she was like, hey, can you spend an overnight with the kids? To which myself and the kids' uh, other five or six nephews and or aunts and uncles said, yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> pass. <laughs> yeah, hard pass. So I felt a little bad, and I said, you know what? It's only a 90-minute drive. I'll drive down to Atlantic City. I'll watch the kids while you do the conference. I'll take them to the boardwalk. We'll do whatever. And uh, that's what I did. I drove down yesterday. I was going to take them to the the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum, do all these things. I, as soon as I got there, I remembered that, uh, and no offense to anyone maybe from there, but Atlantic City is a shithole. And it's not it's really a place you want to bring no. children, yes. So I thought, you know what, the 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 Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum will be okay, but then the kids were like, hey, would it be cool if we just stayed in the hotel room and played our iPads? To which I said, yeah, okay. So it was super cool. They did the the convention, and they were like, well, it's you had to pay extra money to get autographs and stuff. So they just like walked around. They came back early. We went and had dinner. Awesome night. So I'm getting ready to leave. Me and my brother-in-law uh, are walking towards the car park port, and there's a gelato place, and we're like, let's go get some gelato. Right. Who wouldn't want gelato? Right, as you do. And who's there but like some of the Sopranos people to haul wall of shame. I've actually never watched the Sopranos. Which is unconscionable. I, I yelled at you via text yesterday about that. Yeah, it's on it's actually on my HBO list now. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. But turns out our boy Ray Abruzzo, who we've been hey! communicating on the Instagram, and we're, you know, spoiler alert, we're 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 in talks with maybe bringing him on the pod. And my brother in law was like, Hey, can we get a picture? To which I was like, well, you know, they just were charging for pictures. We probably, sh-. they said, sure. They took a picture, and he's like, oh, go talk to him. And I was like, coming from New York, Keith, you can like, it's not something you do. You just no, you, you leave celebrities a damn load. Yeah, but we did. I, you know, I did say, I did say hello, and as because we were standing, he was standing behind me in line for gelato, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, I, it crossed my mind to be like, yo, I'm from the Out of Practice podcast, but and then I was like, yeah, no, let's just get gelato. Um, but nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, where is it? I did want to. I did want to 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 share this because I, I thought it was pretty cool. Um. <laughs> you had ice cream with with Ray Bruzzo. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, he was really cool. He was really friendly, and it was fun. We had some we had some gelato all together. That's my brother in law on the bottom right, and then some Sopranos folks on the left, including Ray in the middle there. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. That's a, uh, I and it's it's so funny. Like the serendipity. Like we're to be like messaging with somebody from the show and then run into them in an ice cream store on the other side of the country. Yep. Like a week later. Pretty cool. crazy craziness. Very cool. Uh, you know, but you know what? You know what we know right from? What what is that? Uh, it's a it's it's a medium. Okay. That. I wish I have some of, but you know what I really wish I could have? What's that?
well done. Well segued, my friend. Ooh, I'm, you know, 300 some odd episodes into this. I'm getting good at it. So I promised last week we'd do a little bit of more TV. Uh, I just have a couple of things. I I remember last episode that we did more TV, which is way back. I spoke for like 15 minutes. I will not do that, I promise. Uh, Mercifully. I will, I, I will go through these quickly, but uh, let's see here. The first thing I want to talk about is a show I like to call, a movie I saw uh, on the Disney Plus called Luca. Now, I'm a huge fan of Pixar uh, though I will say that the last one onward, I guess, about brothers really didn't really strike me so much. Hmm. Uh, but this one is absolutely beautiful. I don't know if you've watched it yet. It's it's less, it's it, its ideas aren't as huge as Soul. I don't know if you watch Soul. That's one that would I think would speak to you. I'm sh- it, it, well, just like with all the Pixar's, and it, it, frankly, all animation in general. I, I was actually texting my buddy, uh, another buddy of mine, yesterday about it. It's like I never want to watch animation, but I always huh. enjoy it when I do, which yeah. is a weird like thing because I'm like, uh, why would I want to? I'm you know, but then I get into, it. especially like Pixar movies, the same way. I yeah. n- will never choose a Pixar movie, but when it is thrust upon me, I love it. So, you know, the Pixar movies are often, their criticisms they get sometimes are that they're a little emotionally manipulative. I don't know that I share that criticism. I understand about that. They do have the moments where they're like, this is the point where people will cry. What I like about Luca is that, first of all, it's, 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 its themes are a little less huge. Like, if you saw Soul, you know that it's about, like, where you begin as a soul. As a, It's very, the concepts are huge. This is a little more diorama based it's it's a very small story that's isolated it has some big themes but it's just beautiful the animation is it's not going the photorealism route it's almost like an evolution of stop motion in a way Mm. it's just beautiful and the music that is scored is beautiful because it's it's based in italy it's an it's got an italian flavor the director's italian and it, it just Everything about it is wonderful and beautiful and small scale, and I, I think it is better for that. It's got one of the best villains, I'll say bad guys, maybe in the past decade of cinema. Really? It's, wow. It's, it's so funny, and uh, it's just a really, uh, it's, it's such a little great movie. I, I, you've got to watch it. You've You're getting watch more it. and more Italian as, as the episode's it's, going on. It's really, I've seen it about four times now, I just because the kids want to watch it, and I, I just love it. So that's one wow. thing. Uh, so that's what I've been watching as far as film is concerned. I downloaded Black Widow. I just haven't uh, watched it yet. Uh, TV, though, we got the Olympics, y'all. Yes, we do. Watch it. It's being broadcast in 4K from NBC and its affiliates. I know that there are some questions surrounding the ethics, the socioeconomic uh implications of the host cities. There's a whole bunch of crap if you want to get into the weeds of why the Olympics are bad. However, watching, we talk, I talked about this when we talked about dancing before, like how I, some, something I can't do when I watch it, like dancing, it seems like magic to me and there's so little magic in the universe these days. Mm. Watching young people in their 20s, even younger, there's a skateboarder from uh, Japan, I believe, who was 13 who meddled. Something ridiculous. Uh, All the gymnasts are like 15. At, operating at the peak of human physical capabilities, there's something really magical about it. Um, and 
you know, it's being broadcast in 4K HDR, so, like, that's awesome, too. So, the Olympics. What else yeah. do you have to say about the Olympics? No, I, I, it's, it's funny with the Olympics. I, I, when I watched the opening ceremonies, I became very sad mm-hmm. because of how affected it was by, by COVID and why that is still you know, uh, still having this huge impact. Um, but you're right. It's very exciting. You know, the, the, the 4k, I, I was expecting the 4k to be more impactful, but honestly, the difference between 4k and 1080 when you're three feet away is almost indistinguishable. Uh, but I, I, I do certainly enjoy it. Um, but yeah, you know, and the HDR is coming through pretty good. Some of the some of the HDR implement, implementations we've seen recently, the All Star Game was just shitty. The MLB mm. All Star Game, like they couldn't do it. The, it. the colors are all weird and purple and shitty. Uh, but the but NBC seems to have their stuff together. It's it's a it's a great picture. And you're right, it's not like hugely impactful. I think 60 frames per second is much more impactful much with sports. More. Yeah. But nonetheless, if you can have all three, which we do with this broadcast, uh, why not? No, I'll I'll take it. You know, and it's the ethics of the Olympics. Uh, it's an interesting discussion. We should you know say for another time so we don't spend a four hour podcast. But I always feel torn during the Olympics because as a as a sports fan and a rooting fan, I'm you know rooting for the Americans. But I'm also just so keenly aware of how blazingly unfair our advantage is versus the rest of the world. And there's usually like one or two other countries that can compete with us on any of these things. But our budget and and the 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 way that we can support our athletes versus so many of these other countries, like it's it you know, we are sort of like stomping around like the giant gorilla. It's it's sort of like uh, it's like Major League Baseball without a salary cap. Mm-hmm. It's like the Yankees; they just can you know spend four hundred million dollars and put up an All Star team every year. And how is Kansas City supposed to compete with that? It's just that on steroids, well, literal steroids. If said, you're Russia, you've got the American basketball team who lost the first game of competition since two thousand and four. Uh, so things can change. It's Katie Ledecky, who's one of the most juggernaut female swimmers, got knocked off the 100-meter right, uh, free right. last night. So things are happening. What I find is interesting also is that the way these games are being broadcast, which makes sense because they're happening in Japan, is it flies in the face of everything that our society is based on right now, which is like constant checking of your phone. Because if you don't want spoilers, if you want to watch the primetime coverage and have it be... Uh, fresh not ruined yeah it's, it's a little bit it's tough you have to make a concerted effort which is interesting yeah uh, we could talk about the olympics unless you anyway. have another point sorry yeah. no no that's 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 all i have i will i will throw out one other quick tv shout out uh because because i'm participating well hold on then you gotta wait i have more to I have more oh to go. jesus christ <laughs> yeah you didn't think that was it uh big brother i've talked he about said it i was before. gonna go faster kids big brother i've talked about it before i love it it's still great this new season is fresh and I'm so glad that it's back. Also, Apple TV Plus. Do you watch Ted Lasso? If not, you need to watch Ted Lasso. Season one is amazing. Season two just started. Only two episodes have been released. I didn't want to like this show. I didn't want to watch this show. Everything that this show is based on, I hate. The fact that it was just a commercial that they tried to blow into a show. And I was like, the basic premise is like, can we have this good guy stay a good guy and just be like a good guy? Where's the conflict? When's he gonna turn? When's it gonna? When's it gonna? Breaking Bad? Oh no! They're like, we're gonna make a good-natured show. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna see it through. And shocker, 
it's a rousing success in my opinion. And even though it's all the talk and everybody's hyping it, which makes me want to hate it even more because that's just my personality, it's still great. Add my voice to the list of voices that says, watch Ted Lasso. And if you don't have an Apple TV Plus subscription, hit me up. I'll give you mine. That's uh, just for oh, Keith. We should talk about that off, off air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that wasn't for anybody else. Okay. <laughs> Qu- uh, I'll keep rifling through very quickly. There's a, uh, a documentary series on Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. If you're a man of a certain age, a woman of a certain age, that is the age Keith and I is, you have to watch this. Season two just dropped. It takes our favorite movies, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, uh, Pretty Woman, uh, Ghostbusters, it, the list goes on and on, and just does a whole hour doc on the making of them, and its its tone is great. The nostalgia factor through the roof. Everyone has Netflix. Watch this series, please. I think this is it. Note two more things real quick. Sorry, I know I promised. Uh, documentary, Netflix, Black Holes, The Edge of All We Know. If you're a science or a science fiction nerd, you have to watch this. Uh, Stephen Hawking uh, is doing math. <laughs> it is, it, it, uh, and he, here's the basic premise. We wanted to see a black hole. In order to actually see the closest black hole to us, you need a telescope roughly the size of Earth which, shocker, is very difficult to build, Keith. Not sure if you knew that. That's very large, the size mm-hmm. of Earth. Yeah, it's big. So what big. they actually did was they found, they triangulated the, like, six or seven biggest telescopes around the globe and timed it so that they would all take pictures of the same area at the same time to create this image of the first, the first image humans have ever taken of an actual black hole in operation. If you can even try to comprehend the logistics necessary to, to, to coordinate that, you're talking there can be no cloud cover in any of those places, there can be no weather systems, figuring out how it could work, and then after spending all that money, does it work? You'll have to watch the documentary to know. It is, it is I will give you this one warning. It is dense, it is dense. So go in uh, ready to pay attention or just really stoned. And then finally, Keith, you ever read comics? Uh, I did back in the day. I have an almost complete set of G.I. Joe comic books on the shelf right behind me. Okay, so I also read comics back in the day, but there's hard to find time as an adult to read comics. It's hard to even if you, I was, I have conceived about jumping back into comics because of the iPad and like it, it's easier now with that kind of a device without having to buy them. But like, where do you jump in? The thing with comics, especially if you have a, an obsessive personality like you and I do, Keith, is... yeah. Uh, how far back do I go? Can I, where can I jump in? Are there any new lines I want to jump at? How many things? So I was like, I want to pick one thing, jump in and just kind of get my feet wet. And I got a recommendation from a few friends. There's an anthology series. Uh, they're about seven in, but you can jump in at any book because they're all sort of self-contained stories. It's sort of like, uh, tales from the crypt back in the day. It's very horror themed. Uh, tales from the crypt meets, uh, Black Black Mirror, perhaps. It's called the Ice Cream Man. You can try it out. Uh, get the one one the first anthology book is like a dollar ninety nine in Comicsology through Amazon. If you are a fan of horror, Stephen King, I'm talking to you, Keith. You have to read this comic. It is great. I'll give you the first three pages of the first anthology. Uh, Ice Cream Man is serving this kid. It's a little. It's like. Uh, Middle America, the kid's like, uh, what do you want, little girl? Oh, I have a, ch- a scoop of chocolate. This kid comes up, 
And he's like, oh, where are your parents? And he's like, I, he's like, I'm a big boy now. I don't need my parents. He's like, okay, here's two scoops. Kid walks home. He's like, mom, I'm home. But before he goes in, he puts on a, a he puts a, 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 a clothespin on his nose. And he just walks towards the kitchen. And that's where I'll leave it. Uh, it is awesome. It, this book is awesome. If you get it, if, if you get, so that, I'm just focusing on Ice Cream Man. I'm going to try to like read uh, the seven panels. So that's where we are. That's more TV. That was a lot. But uh, <laughs> uh, Keith, what, what have you been watching? Uh, wow. Uh, at this point, I will just say uh, I have been watching uh, Resident Alien, which is okay. a, a Peacock series starring Alan Tudyk, uh, who is so good. And uh, I heard about it because uh, Star Trek Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil, is a producer and directs many of the episodes. Uh, It's delightful. Check it out. Okay, folks, that was the (laughs) Mike's Brief 13-minute segment (laughs) entitled More TV. Oh, wow, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, I got into it. What can I say? (laughs) We're going to have to... You're going to have to... Like do special episodes. Maybe that can be our like, uh, <laughs> like our Patreon. Yeah, sure. Because, uh, good lord! All right, you know what that means. It's time to move forward mercifully into a segment we call filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Yes, of course. Let's talk about our filings. Earlier this year, I was considering moving to Denmark. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I had to pull up. I was trying to... Are you doing an audiobook? Was that an audiobook? (laughs) No, that was me reading Phoenix's last filing and subpoena. uh, Because I had not... um, because I had not pulled up filings and subpoenas. So while I was chastising you for taking too long <laughs> on your segment, I realized I had not pulled up the filings and subpoenas and had no idea if we even had any, but I was just going to talk as if we did. And guess what? Thanks to our good friend and moderator, Phoenix Cage, we sure do. And Phoenix says, In three sequential episodes, this is the second one that had a guest star who would later who later went on to play a love interest of one of the Gilmore Girls. The first was Scott Cohen as ADA Mitchell Wheeler. The second one you mentioned, Mac Zucre as Skip Hyman. Just a few days ago, I finished watching The Gilmore Girls for the first time. Have you seen The Gilmore Girls, Mike? Uh, some of it, yes. As Jen See, watched now, it. So, no. Now, now, that's how more TV is supposed to go. <laughs> By the way, we have conflicting reports on the top song. We'll get there, but uh, I'm going to play the wrong one. So, Oh, oh, okay. I thought J-Lo was still going this week is what uh, my uh, my information be- showed. My, well, the source I use has the week ending whatever date, oh. not the week starting. Oh, interesting. So, so J-Lo we wins already... it back, but uh, we'll, no, you're going to hear J-Lo. not win it back. All right, fine. Well, you know, who doesn't love hearing some J-Lo? Let us, uh, yeah. So if you would like to write us and uh, tell us we took too long on more TV, Mike, how would they they chastise you, Mike? Well, they could write to you, who would then forward (laughs) it to me at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You could also hit us up on the Facebook and be like, no like. Although I don't know if you can do that anymore, but Out of Practice Podcast, uh, that's the same for Instagram if you want to just post a picture of you eating espresso gelato with Ray Brutzel. 
Yeah, yeah, fair enough. You had espresso gelato that late in the day? <laughs> I had to drive home. Oh, I see. I see. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, folks, finally, it is. <laughs> I'm giving Mike so much shit. That was actually a good segment. All right. Uh, we are finally ready to hop back into the time machine. It's going to be great. We are talking about April 14th, the year 2002. And uh, we have to answer the eternal question. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, I was preparing for my final jury of school. I have located the VHS. I have located a VCR to digitize it to DVD. And then I will then transfer it from DVD to my computer. So it's a project ahead. Uh, That's what I was doing. I will save it from there and ask you, Keith, were you doing the same? I was. I'm very excited to to see to see the VHS copy of your senior recital or your uh, jury. They they, led, they recorded your juries? Well, no. But what they did record was what we called our final showcase, which was like they... I it, see. It wasn't the showcase for agents, which was a separate thing. This was... They put together a, uh, a review. Uh, they segmented us into different groups, and they did a full, like, what they called a Broadway rehearsal process. So we brought in a real director, they brought in a music director, and we rehearsed it for seven days like you would a show, and then we put it up. So that's that's what it... And I have some 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 video of it. I, I don't know if the video... I'm sure it's going to be terrible. I have literally have not played it since 2002. So we will... Uh, nice. We'll see what... How the medium uh, lasted in a plastic Tupperware for the past 20 years. Well, I mean, on VHS, it's a better chance of being alive than a DVD. That's true. Because when DVDs fail, they fail all the way. VHS dies slowly like the rest of us. Yeah, well, so I was doing kind of exactly the same thing because uh, a week after this episode aired, literally a week, was my senior recital at Eastman. Here is the program. We will talk all about the actual recital. I have pictures. I have a recording of the whole thing. Uh, I will try to find 15 seconds I don't want to kill myself listening to. However, I set this up last week. Uh, because this week, in preparation for that senior recital, which also counts as the jury, this is how you get your degree, this is the the culmination of your entire college experience at the music conservatory, is your senior recital. Everyone's gonna go, your family's driving in from wherever, It's it's a solo recital, it's about like an hour straight of just you singing, it's a huge, momentous occasion. And it's still and only one half of the length of this podcast. It is only one half of the length of the more TV segment. So, <laughs> it's just called all TV. And uh, a comic. And a comic. <laughs> and, and a comic book for some reason. <laughs> I just, Mike wanted to talk. Mike does a presentation. Uh <laughs> It's like, you know, like in sixth grade, you needed to do like a presentation for your class, but they didn't really give a shit about what you did it about. They just wanted to give you public speaking experience. So like I once did a presentation about Star Trek mm-hmm. in sixth grade. I just like talked about Star Trek for a half an hour. And uh, it, I did one on, on Babe the Blue Ox. Not Paul Bunyan, mind you. Just, the, just, just his, just his partner. Fuck Paul. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, anyway, so as I was setting up the 
monumental importance of this recital, uh, which I would be just thrown out to the wolves uh, here singing in, uh, in French and Italian and German and English. Tons of stuff. I, I finished the recital with Gethsemane from Superstar. That was after an hour of singing, no one understood. Everyone was like, oh, what the fuck is this? V20 again. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, so all of this is to say, uh, this week, there was a, uh, the most important thing leading up to it, which is my dress rehearsal. Where I have, I have my pianist, and I have the string quartet come in, and my and my uh, professor, and we have on the stage, all full lights and everything, we're going to do our dress rehearsal. And uh, I forgot. I forgot uh, that I had a dress rehearsal that morning. And uh, not only did I, it wasn't like, oh, it's at 10, I thought it was at 1. I forgot it was even happening at all. And... uh, I had like 15 minutes, like, oh, it's like, are, are, it's funny you're not here. I thought you'd be here a little early. I got a text, phone call, an email. I didn't, I didn't have a cell a, phone. A pig, some sort of a pigeon dropped off a Some message. sort of a pigeon, an owl dropped off. And I showed up for my dress rehearsal not knowing any of my lyrics, not being warmed up or in any kind of a voice, and just like, it was literally the actor's nightmare where you you just a thrust well, upon a stage and you're not and you're not prepared you don't know anything and i i i was just not prepared in any way shape or form and so i went out there and it was the most one of the most embarrassing experiences of my life that just kept going and going and going cuz it wasn't just one song it was an hour of music and i had like little note cards with lyrics written on them that i scrambled at the last possible second and i was like i, I couldn't sing i was nervous Were i was you being falling adjudicated apart. on this or was it for like no, the tech crew and stuff it, no it well it was just for my it, it was like the the final run through with my with my voice teacher and I was like cracking all over the place. I didn't know any of the lyrics. I didn't know half of the, what I was doing. And it was excruciating oh, man. to do. Uh, and after my actual recital, I went and had a beer with my voice teacher. And the, the recital itself went fine. And he's like, Keith, I thought I was going to kill myself after your dress rehearsal. I, I was like, this is the biggest disaster I have ever seen in my life. I'm going to kill myself. Was the quote <laughs> that I got from my professor? Because he's like, I'm associated with that guy, and he's about to blow it. He like that. This was a face plant of epic proportions that I will never forget. That feeling, and and it and it it wasn't just like on stage. It was the the minute I realized it was happening. I was like. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was completely, profoundly unprepared to do this, and uh, it—I mean, it was—it it was really indicative of how my head was just not in it at this point. And, we're, and we'll talk about it next week for the recital itself because I sort of had an epiphany in the middle of the recital. But it, it was—I I can't believe how like self-destructive it was for me to be so out of it 
with this and just and and it's just like my head was not in it i was just barely participating at this point i was doing a lot of stuff like there was there's a lot happening but like it's my senior recital i just I, I, there's something in my head that i was just like i'm i can't process this i don't want to do this and uh <laughs> so apparently i just didn't i can't wait to hear the, the redemption next week the redemption yeah, well, I don't know if there's like a, a a redemption, but I do get through the damn thing, and I they do and let no me one graduate. commit, and your teacher didn't commit suicide, so that's great. He yes, he he did make it through uh, that semester, so oh, that was embarrassing for us all. I still feel the shame inside me right now as I talk about it. That was rough. So let's take this opportunity. To zoom out a little bit, let's get away from Kilbourne Hall. It's it's not a good place for me at that point. And talk about what's going on. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, well, we're in a big fight about it. But the top song was actually Foolish by Ashanti. Say some. Say some. Some some people would say it's Foolish by Ashanti. And some people would say it's Jennifer Lopez. Uh, Local paper. Burlington Free Press talked about Powell and Arafat will meet the leader of the Palestinian Liberation uh, Army PLO organization. I, I should know that. Uh, anyway, so glad we solved that. The top movie was Changing Lanes, which was a uh, Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson movie, which I don't think I've I've ever seen. Maybe I, think, I have? I think you summarized it pretty well. Uh, it was a movie that had uh, Ben Affleck and Sam L. Jackson in it. That's really the long and short of it. That's that's really all you need to know. That's That, that was the actual script. <laughs> it's like they, they opened up the script and the, what is it? Oh, 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 okay. So just the two of us? Okay, great. Just shoot it. Great. Uh, okay. Well, that's, uh, again, April 14th, the year 2002. And now it's time for the most important segment, also including a mea culpa. Here it is, folks. Here it is, folks. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Oh, the things I got wrong. Well, folks, I've been giving you hockey stats from the 0203 season, not the 0102 season. So, spoiler alert. In our correct timeline, the regular season is still going on, and the Flyers meet the Rangers 2-1 behind goals from former Bruins Adam Oates and future Bruin Mark Recchi. The Bruins themselves didn't need either, blowing out the Penguins 7-1 at the Garden. So, uh, yeah, no, I've been uh, pulling up the wrong stats. Eh, shit happens, man. Shit happens. Much like you pulling up the wrong number one song. I pulled up the wrong stats uh, for, uh, I don't know how long have I been talking about hockey for the last four or five episodes. So, uh, look out for season seven. You might know what's going to happen 20 years ago. All right, folks. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh, boy. We are finally here. Your thumbs are tired from skipping over us. And you are now ready to listen to us talk about The Practice Season 6, Episode 18, The Return of... Oh, 
Joey Herrick. And it's not just the return of Joey Herrick. Folks, it is the return of David E. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, for the first episode since Eyewitness, David E. Kelly is the writer, the sole writer on this episode. In fact, uh, you might notice because the show's been a little bit different, it's because he only wrote on six episodes so far this entire season. And this is the first one, I think, since the beginning, since the, fir- uh, since the first episode, that he wrote by himself. So we, I think we're going to get back to some classic practice. I'm so excited. Uh, it was directed by Dwight H. Little, who last directed on Liar's Poker. And that brings us with only one last thing to do before we listen to the episode, and that is... supposed to be what's your problem is this what happens to women when you insert your penis what what oh (laughs) what does mike think's gonna happen yeah keith might have hit the space bar to curdle milk then what would have happened guys you know he's back i know he's back Everybody knows he's back. David E. Kelly knew he was coming back, so David E. Kelly's like, I'm back. All right, so that's where we're starting. But here's the thing. If you remember when we last saw Joey Herrick, am I mistaken in remembering that he defended himself? He sure did. And then kind of disappeared. What was he doing in all that time? I'm saying he passed the bar, y'all. He is now a lawyer, and somehow, through some twist of fate... I'm waffling, Keith, because on one hand, I want to say that he 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 applies for a job. He wants to now work for the firm. Ooh, that would really spice things up. Or something happens to one of our friends, be it Bobby. No, Bobby's always been. One of us has to be defended, and somehow we would. That's just that's too implausible. I'm going to say <laughs> Joey Herrick. Joey Herrick applies at the firm. All right, and. Uh, I'm trying to think of what some twist of machination that would get him to have to 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 like be on the case with us. Do like a ride along. Somehow Joey is going to do a ride along on our case this week. Wow. And uh not only that, but he is going to put the super hard press sexually onto yeah. Lindsay, creating an incredible conflict between he and Bobby. All the hallmarks of Sexy practice. <laughs> now I'm I'm with you. I'm so glad you were able to to uh, stick the sexy landing there, <laughs> uh, Olympic style. However, uh, I I hate to you know throw cannon on you, but uh, Joey's gay. All right. Well, hmm. for S- Steve, Ooh. he's going he's going for Eugene then. Oh, all right, right. So he's and not Eugene's going to like, the obvious Bobby. He's going to go to Steve. And, and Eugene's like, don't fuck me, Joey. <laughs> I, I don't do a good Eugene, and I learned that right now. But... <laughs> Every piece of that was wrong and offensive. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm not, that was my Eugene. <laughs> the, the, like, side, the side eye, the like smoky voice, and he's like, and he says things real fast. I mean... <laughs> You know, is, just because you're offended, I thought I thought it was a pretty good Eugene. So what? You know what? Go fuck yourself. 
Don't fuck me, Mike. <laughs> I mean, unless you think Eugene's into it, and he's like, all right, Joey. <laughs> and then Joey's like, how you doing? All right. Anyway, I'm just, yeah, anyway. Uh, you know, here's, here's, the, the, here's the question we all want answered. I got a very big dick. Oh, my God. If you want right. to listen to us talk about Joey's big old dick, you can do so by tuning in to our, you know, podcast that we do, which you can find <laughs> on your podcast service of choice or just by hitting this QR code that I do for my health. Uh, <laughs> and that way you can skip the, the hour of podcast that we've already done and get right to the good stuff. And we will see you back here for the after show show. Show show. Season six. Episode 18, The Return of Joey Herrick. Joey Herrick, Joey Herrick. Awkward rain. It's like a hose directly on the window. Rain doesn't do that. Eleanor is yeah. feeding somebody's She's baby. Really good to Probably her baby. All right. Hey, you never know. There he is. There he is. Waste no time. Who'd you kill? Zing? Good to see you too, Eleanor. Have you put on weight? We're busy, Joey. Who'd you kill? Double zing? Very cute. Well, can't anybody say hey? Yo, the, the, the zings per minute is going to be high in this episode. It's Joey Herrick. That's his whole deal. Hey, good to see you. <laughs> Who's that? Mine. What are you doing here? You have a baby. Joey, why are you here? Why don't we start by asking where I've been for the last three years? Law school. Nailed it! Ta-da! Oh! That's in February. We're now all learned brothers. You're a lawyer? And a good one, so far. Wait, wait, wait. You, you went to law school, took the bar exam. It was my therapist's idea. He thought one way of weaning myself off of killing people was to help others who did get away with it. I've got a case now. That's why I'm here. So we're just gonna... We're gonna agree here as a family that we're just going to toss aside the sheer implausibility of that premise, right? Well, I, I mean, yes and uh, yes and no. I mean, because not just a guy who was acquitted of murder, not just a guy who was acquitted of murder, but like a high-profile, everybody know, right? So every case you do is going to influence the jury. Well, I I think being acquitted of murder is not the issue because if you're acquitted, you're acquitted, and I don't think the bar yeah, can yeah, take yeah, yeah, that you're into right. account. At, However, but it's pretty much known he is guilty. Well, sure, but you know he wasn't in Boston at the time, so who knows? Uh, the, you know, and we know he's super smart, so there's no reason that he couldn't easily pass the bar. the The issue that I have is I believe he was acquitted by reason of insanity. Uh. So, I I think that might be involved. Maybe he passed a psych eval. You know what? Who gives a shit? It's Joey Herrick. It's fun. Let's case. do this. What kind of case? Homicide? I don't slum. The problem I'm having is this. I think the kid might actually be innocent. And as good as I am, my conscience says I should bring someone else on board with experience. So in addition to getting a law degree, you also picked up a conscience? Drives like so it's not a ride-along. He's actually, on. like, hiring us? Seriously, Bobby. I, I never admit this publicly, but I could really use some help. It starts tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah, it always starts I can do tomorrow, this. and mm -hmm. I could do it alone. And I'm prepared to if I have to, but to be honest, with an 
It isn't kid's life on the line. Believe it or not, I don't want to. Well, I don't believe it. Come there on, is an say. ulterior motive. There you always is the Joey Harry. You would be a fucking idiot to take this case. It's like old times. So they're gonna take it, right? Of course, it's fun and old times. I mean, come on, what a great setup. How much fun is this gonna be? Yeah, except we're missing the scene where they're in the office debating whether they should do it in the conference room, and Rebecca, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Are you fucking out of your mind, Bobby? This is fucking stupid. And then Eugene goes, yeah, I agree with Rebecca. This is fucking stupid. And then we don't take the case. That's the scene I feel like is missing. <laughs> that would be the same uh, case. That would that would that would make sense. But you know what, Mike? It sweeps, baby. It sweeps. Yeah. We gotta take this case, and it's you know gonna what, be fun. The only thing that would make it better is that for some reason they couldn't do the court case during the daytime, and so they had to have night court. Yeah. John Laircat, by the way, in case anybody is wondering who that is. You're actually helping him? And you? Now, that's They're a niche on. podcast, too. Let's resist. do a night but court he's podcast. A murderer. We only know that because we it's represent coming back. him. Even so, we also know he's clinically sick. Look, the ship has sailed. I said I'd help. Jimmy, it's someone from Brigham Hospital. Jimmy Berluti. Jimmy seems to have played the beat after the phone call during the phone call. A little very somber. He read the script. Wait, is that the is that the girl? It's the girl who says little drummer boy! Girl who, if I'm not mistaken, almost gave Jimmy a BJ for money? Indeed, it's Tracy Middendorf back as Jennifer Cole. Uh, interesting little tidbit, because we have seen her multiple times before. The first time uh, she wanted to uh, hum on uh, Jimmy's little drummer boy and uh, got Jimmy in trouble for it. And then the second time uh, she was addicted to uh, some drugs. I forget exactly what it was while she was pregnant. And Jimmy tried to help her in that situation. Uh, but what's interesting, I mean, there's many interesting things about this. It's an interesting character. But the first appearance of Jennifer Cole was also the first appearance of Joey Herrick. Back huh. in uh, season two, episode two, both of them made their first appearances. See, Unrelated, that, story-wise. That, that's good writing, though, I think. it's It makes for a, uh, I, li- I like that. I like that a lot, Keith. It's like a direct sequel to that episode. It's basically, it, it's it's David e. Kelly going, you know what, guys? Let's forget everything in between. Let's go ahead and just sandwich it back and uh, do some retcons today. Well, you know what it was? It He's like, I was looking uh, uh, looking on the Out of Practice podcast ranking of shows, and it's really up there. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the last time we got like a nine-something, so I'm, we're just going to go straight in. She also works for Rape Crisis. I feel so stupid. What happened? You're gonna be mad, Jimmy. She also works for rape crisis, and you know, has been accused of statutory rape by Keith. Just a little bit. It was a trick. He just went crazy. I don't. I'm so sorry. Well, serious story. Jennifer Cole has been beaten up. She's my friend. She's okay. So, what happened? One of your tricks beat you up. He raped me. And then he beat me up. He raped you. The sex wasn't consensual. No, 
uh, definition I mean, of rape, Jimmy. Well done. It probably would have been. I mean, we went to a room, too, but as soon as we got there, he just wigged out. It was like he had this thing against hookers, like we were evil. I told him to get out, and he raped me. Do you think you might recognize him if the police showed you some photographs? He gave me his name. Joey Herod. to the police. Yeah, so you're like, who is it? The it's body of Jean Homestead was found in an alley off of Tremont Street, a deep gash in the back of her head. I the apparent victim of a... Folks, it's Dennis Arndt going up against Joey Herrick as the prosecutor. He's back as D.A. Roland Hill, uh, who we have seen before. We have also seen Dennis Arndt playing a different character before, but he already got his bumper uh, before. But don't worry, this is the second of three characters he's going to play on the show Hugging. as a high-profile actor. That's the way it looked, because that's the way that Daniel Carrington wanted it to look. But that is not the way she died, ladies and gentlemen. The evidence will show overwhelmingly the defendant drove to the victim's house murdered Mrs. Holmstead in her bedroom, then drove her body back into Boston and dumped her into that alley. The evidence will establish the defendant and the victim were having an affair, and when the victim tried to end the relationship, the defendant murdered her. Okay, give us the Larroquette, baby. Yeah. We rarely get to see opening, opening, opening arguments. That's right. The homicide rate in this country, this city, our city, the proud city of Boston, is starting to climb. And people, people like me, you, getting damn sick of it. For one, I'm fed up with exalting civil rights to the point where the criminal enjoys more constitutional privileges than we do. Enough already. If a person kills another human being, I don't give a rat's ass whether he suffers from schizophrenia, substance abuse, or an overbearing mother. I say put the son of a bitch in jail. It's how I feel. It may be <laughs> how some of you feel, too. It's certainly how the government feels, and I salute them for it. But every once in a while, in their zeal, their haste to make sure a murder is... P.S. Uh, you could probably throw Dexter into this universe, but... A sociopath, acquitted twice of murder, passes the bar, becomes a lawyer. Uh, that's the TV show I want. Where is what? this show? And I was thinking the exact same thing at this moment when I watched it. I was like, man, John Larroquette should have a lawyer show. Because I watched him. Oh, wait, Night Court. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. But <laughs> totally different. Well, not totally different. They get it wrong, and they arrest the wrong person. Larroquette kind of just Larroquette, you know? My heart goes out to Jean Homestead's husband sitting there and her son. We all want to catch the person who killed Jean that's sort of the definition of the it factor of like this, like of magical charisma. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is a great example. I, and, and what I mean is that people who 
despite the role, the radical range of roles they've played, and how they bring a unique perspective and identity to each character that is unique, there is still a giant element that is them, that is their natural charisma. Tom Hanks, John Larroquette, uh, yeah. the list goes on. And yet, somehow it is not destructive to the performance. No, it, it's... I, I Whoopi think, Goldberg. Yeah, the, it's it's that like astounding level of charisma that transcends sort of everything. Yeah, I just want to spend time with this person like. in any universe. I feel the same way about Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt, great example. And it's just sort of like, I would watch him read the phone book. Because... You know, there's a subtle difference. Bobby De Niro has moved into a phase where it's no longer works that way, where it's almost be, can become, I'm not saying is, but can become a mockery of himself. Uh, right, so Nicholas Cage, you know, there's there's a difference. Yeah, well, just like those intensely watchable people. Uh, you know who I, I, I think of? Um, oh, my God, and now I've entirely... Uh, Entirely forgotten the name. Well, Keith thinks of it. If I want to, know, I'm curious who are who are actors that fit into this category, uh, who you don't care what character they're playing. They're always themselves, and that's cool with you. Uh, let us know. Out of practice podcast at gmail.com or on the YouTube. The the person that I I was I was thinking of the person I will watch in literally anything, no matter how bad the movie is, is Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, uh, Morgan Freeman. But Daniel Carrington is not. That person. They've arrested the wrong man. So he's accused of uh, his wife was having an affair and murdering the, the... Murdering his wife, yeah. After finding out she had an affair. Jimmy, the police questioned the guy. What's his story? They went back to her place. He didn't know she was a hooker. After they had sex, she announced she was tried to extort him for $10,000. He refused and left. And you believe that? My name Jimmy, is Helen Gamble, and I rarely believe the victims. Or you see her face. You think she did that to herself? I can't rule out the possibility that she did. Why? This is a hooker with a drug problem. Listen, even if she's telling you the truth, a prostitute takes a man to a room to have sex, then claims the sex wasn't consensual. I'm not that good a DA. And that speaks of just like how Both awful. Both came to the back of the skull. The second one, this one. That era was, was and the lack of protection for sex workers. And the brain stem. Death likely came Man. instantly. And did you make any other findings that you find significant? Several. There were no this is other Richard bruises, Topol, back scratches, as corner Josh no Inwood skin scraping under her nails. No indication of a struggle. And what did that tell you? Well, that it's highly unlikely she was mugged or overpowered. Much more likely she was simply struck on the back of the head. Anything else? Uh, we found small traces of semen in the vaginal area. We submitted samples for DNA analysis. They were an exact genetic match with the defendant. Thank you, doctor. Oh, First wait. of all, doctor. It's not Let his wife. It's not the you. defendant's wife. The defendant was having an affair with the woman who was murdered. On your ability to crunch your testimony. So many experts, especially doctors, just rattle on at such technical talk. It's either boring or incomprehensible. I salute you, sir. 
Thank you. And I probably <laughs> shouldn't be admitting this, but I can't take issue with a single thing you said. I agree with all of it. So I'm going to sit down. It's another episode where thus far we're just paying Cameron, Dylan, and who else was there? Somebody else from our firm that just to just watch and react. Yeah, well, it's it's a good day for them. It's a long day. <laughs> just yeah, sitting there. But... Oh, I'm sorry. There is one thing. It is possible for her to be mugged and dragged into the alleyway without showing any physical signs, such as bruising or fingernail scrapings? Yes, it's possible. Excellent. Thanks. Oh, oh, one other thing. If my client had had intercourse with the victim several hours before her death, semen evidence could still be found, couldn't it? Yes. So it's possible my client and the victim had sex. She was later hit on the head and killed by somebody else. Your findings don't exclude that possibility, do they, doctor? No. Thank you. You know, great move there. Establish credibility for the witness you're cross-examining, right? right? Praise him, say that he believes him, get that goodwill, and then get him to, to state your facts, your, your possibility. Because all you need here, as we've talked many times, is just that reasonable doubt. That's right. And he just columboed the shit out of him. That's the best part. Yeah, the turn and walk upstage the turn and, and then walk. the oh, turn. Oh, just yeah. one more thing, yeah. How'd I do? I love he that Bobby, and it would be your like, Bobby wants to hate him, but you can see in just Dylan's facial acting that he's like, eh, I kind of like this guy. Yeah, I did a good job. Yep. <laughs> he's fun. Against his. Do you know who Have he is? Have him join the cast. Russell Mathis. He's a very prominent lawyer. He would be perceived to be more credible than a hooker with a drug history. Look, I'm your Yikes. friend. Are you? There's <laughs> nothing to be done here. Maybe not criminally. I would think Mr. Mathis would like this to go away without any noise. Oh, Eugene, settle this shit. I'll go pay him a visit, Jimmy. Did yeah, you? I mean, it, it, it is criminal it now, that they can't, pre that they are not being allowed to press criminal charges here. And and that the the DA won't even take it up, which is in wild injustice. But I'm glad I'm excited that Eugene is like, let's try to do something and go civilly. I can't see you anymore. I'm married, and the truth is, you're beginning to frighten me a little. I, I just need you to stay away. That was identified as the voice of the victim. Identified by her husband. Yes. Hey! Where was this message found? Get some gelato. It's On the defendant's voicemail. Recorded at six minutes past nine on January seventeenth. Who? And according to the coroner's findings, looks exactly when did the Mrs. same. Homestead died. It's almost uncanny. Her body temperature indicated that she died about ten p.m. that not same aged. night. Did you make any findings as to where she died, Detective? Our conclusion was that she died in her own bedroom. There were microscopic blood spatterings on her bedpost as well as the carpet. The blood matched up genetically to the victim. We believe she was killed there and then moved. Any other evidence lead you to this? We also found microscopic blood splatterings in the defendant's car. Blood that also belonged to the victim. Microscopic. 
We also found some melty gelati, but uh, I think that that was. Well, um, I can't keep. Re- I can't keep going back to the gelato well. You already used that joke, and then I, I just ruined it. You know what I mean? <laughs> really look bleak for our side, don't they? Now I imagine. That's why you arrested my client. He's tall, man. The phone message. He's super tall. The blood splatterings. The affair. Well, come to think of it, that would be it, wouldn't it? I mean, that's your entire case. Blood, phone message, and affair. Right, Detective? And his semen. Right, well, I was sort of including okay. that with He's affair. He's 6'4". Any weapon? No. Any evidence? Physical, forensic, testimonial that my client was in the victim's bedroom that night? His semen. Well, the coroner's already admitted that they could have made love earlier, maybe even someplace else. Do you disagree with the coroner on that, Detective? No. And this blood you're talking about, microscopic, you said. So if we took all this blood and pulled it together, the blood you found both in her bedroom and my client's car, more or less than a paper cut, Detective, Probably less. Gee, it doesn't look as bad for us as I thought. Objection. See, what makes him so good is he's sort of like breaking the fourth wall in the courtroom, Mm -hmm. which I think has got to, uh, you know, it's 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 a really cool, effective tactic there, and I, I I think it's the type of thing in an argument like that, breaking the fourth wall and just sort of like. Being honest with the jury, I would imagine, to be a very effective uh, tactic. So I agree, I, but I think what you, what you can't do to alienate them, and I think this is another example why Joey Herrick slash somebody who's very charismatic can be, you have to walk that razor's edge, is because you don't want to speak down to them either, right? You don't want to dumb it down so much that they feel that you're um, patronizing them. Yeah. So you have to walk that razor's edge, and he is excellent at it. I wanted to point out before we get past this that scene there, which was one of the scenes you and I speak to quite often that we love so much, which is just it's just very procedurally courtroom back and forth, witness, uh, attorney. But what makes Ray and and John's uh, performances so great in that scene is you have to remember it's television, which oftentimes comes with actors feeling a little presentational, uh, a lesser lesser actors. These guys are so confident in their abilities in what they do that it's just bec- it it is so effortless that it's compelling. And hats off to Ray there because when you're acting with somebody of the caliber of a of a John Larroquette, it's easy to feel the need to overdo it or to yeah. uh, to have to try to like bring your A game, but if you just come for that place of confidence and preparation, you get a great scene like that. So, uh, off topic, but when I was uh, looking up how tall John Larroquette is, uh, I, I found this interesting. So, how t- so John Larroquette is 6'4". How tall do you think Harry Anderson was, who played the judge? He was always sitting down, basically. 5'7"? Five, 5'7". Five, seven. Five, seven. He was 6'4". They're the same height? Same height as John Larroquette. Okay, well, let's go down the rabbit hole then. How about the guy who played Bull? Ah, give us a guess. I'd say he's 6'5. He's 6'8. Woo, girl. This is the tallest cast in human history. That that poor costumer who has to come up with all those pants. 
You smug, Joey. Oh, Daddy. That was nothing. Ask Eleanor. Have they offered any kind of plea here? Second degree? It's laughable. What are you willing to take? We thought an acquittal would be nice. Yes, besides that. Danny, would you consider manslaughter? Joey thinks we can win. This is Joey's first murder trial. Bobby. He needs to hear that, Joey. Danny, Bobby. Joey, Bobby, you don't think we can win? Bobby, Benny? I'm going to yes. use that musical interlude. Who's the defendant? The bumpers are so loud today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you, you, you had me turn my mic down. Oh, yeah. Okay. So now proportionally, you're getting a much, you're actually hearing what I hear, which is the bumpers <laughs> are like screaming in my ears every yeah, single time. Yeah, that's why I, uh, yeah, I get it now. It's all coming back to me now. Now, this is why I never hear what you say on the second half of that, which apparently most of the time is nothing. <laughs> so the uh, defendant, Daniel Carrington, is played by Tony Crane from The Big Easy, Roseanne, Chicago PD. And Red Dead Redemption 2, he played Nathan Kirk. Ooh, love that game. One of the best movies I've ever seen. But your lawyer's opinions are colored by his ego. Bobby. This is what you get for making me second chair. If you don't already know this, you need to as we go forward. I've trusted Joey this far. I'm going to keep trusting him. And then I'm going to be in Red Dead Redemption 2. But with some sort of a cowboy accent. Yeah. How is he? He's good. The jury loves him. It kills Arthur me. Arthur Morgan. Admit what? Hi, Helen. Do you know, I've been having these nasty little hetero dreams of you. Hey! Hey! What? Oh, I, dis- I said Joey. Lindsay, though. The blood in the car is a problem. I mean, you got a lot right. Argue paper cut. Oh, no. The beloved husband is up next. He's what you call plan B. Huh? Wait a second. He has no alibi. It doesn't matter. Do you have any evidence that or he hey, killed her? It's another plan B. No. Well, then you don't plan B, not the widower. Eleanor. If you accuse the husband with nothing to back up the accusation, your client will get convicted. I agree. Bobby, Eleanor, I recognize that I don't have your experience, but one thing I do know, plan B, that's where the practice of law is delicious. Mr. Belluti. Fancy law firm. Mr. Mathis conceived now. That's Paige Leong. You can close the door, Pauline. Yes, sir. All right, so... I know that lawyer from somewhere! So, Jimmy is... Well, Mike counts syllables. Jimmy is going to confront the uh, super powerful lawyer who has been accused of rape. Now, this actor... It's Lawrence Pressman. Terrific, terrific actor. Uh, but did you know he also played Dr. Milton Leach in Infected? Hit it! We are not, we are not supposed, supposed to know, know this, that, that you've been, been on the show before. 
residuals Rhyming at your door So welcome back to the practice I'll pretend that I don't recognize That I saw you in season two And you I think it was season two First you were a killer But now you're set free First appearance mainly filler But you had a goatee You may be fooling someone dimmer But you don't fool me We don't hear the judge But you just might be Welcome back to the practice tonight Yeah Oh, that, that's all. Okay. It's the conclusion of a rape crisis counselor that she was raped. She tells me she was raped. And I believe her. You believe her. Your client set me up, Mr. Baluti. She had relations only then to tell me what her occupation was. And then she attempted to extort me. Did she give herself the black eye? Perhaps she did. I assure you, I didn't. Why are you here? The district attorney's office has to prove its case beyond all reasonable doubt. In civil cases, as you know, the burden is much less. She makes for a credible witness. Get to the punchline. I'm going to see you, bitch. We settle now or sue you tomorrow. He's looking at pictures of his family. None of those people would ever know. Well, the stare down here is epic. On your way out, Mr. Baluti, take a glance at the artwork on the walls. We are a very rich law firm, Mr. Baluti. It's a byproduct of having many excellent lawyers. Go forward with this extortion. I'll deploy the attorneys here to destroy both your client and you. Oh, you think and we haven't been attempted extortion? to be destroyed before? Tony Danza took us out for three episodes. No, it isn't. Because I didn't rape your client. I mean, Pressman is so good. You may He's also very now, tall. Mr. Baluti. Also very tall. Let's find out how tall he is. This episode, Keith just Googles how tall people are. Oh, we got a, a focus in Zoom on the receptionist, which means she knows something. She definitely does. She, uh, We thought she was... Well, it, it's interesting. There's a couple of things they do to give away that she's important. First off, she gets two lines, bringing in Jimmy, and then, like, close the door, okay. So she she's already, like, working her way th- past the under five. But uh, we've she's gotten a lot of camera time. She entered frame... Oh, she's frame, too like well lit. She's too well lit to be unimportant. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely not a. I uh, thought maybe Jean extra. was out with friends. And Lawrence Pressman is wasn't six like her zero. not to leave me a message. Finally, around midnight, I began calling some of her friends, and then at 3 a.m., I phoned the police. Back Mr. to the Joey Herrick case. Yep. Well, I, I will. I'm going to introduce sir, the uh, but, um, the husband with a random button. <laughs> Keith is pompous. Uh, so true. So true every day. True today. True tomorrow. The uh, husband is played by Bruce Wright as Grant Holmstead. He was in the original Battlestar Galactica series, the original one, and the original Incredible Hulk show. Yeah, it's one on of my faves. 
on Enterprise, he played Dr. Farat in The Expanse. And on Deep Space Nine, he played Sarish Rex in Crossfire. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Knowledge of your wife's yeah. affair with the defendant. I had learned about it a week before. And how did you find out, sir? Jeannie had been in therapy, and her therapist implored with her that she tell me. And as a result of your finding out, you... We had some very severe arguments, ending with a recommitment by both of us to our marriage. And as for the defendant? She planned to break it off with him. Do you know if she did that, sir? She said she had three conversations, telling him that... Objection, hearsay. Withdrawn. Joey. Let it in, Eleanor. No, this is... Uh, the objection is withdrawn, Your Honor. I think we should all hear this. Would you continue, sir? She said that he was having a Richard difficult Richard accepting Judge that they would not be seeing one another again. Jean even thought that she might eventually have to get a restraining order. Why? She was becoming afraid of him. Did she use that word, sir? Afraid? Yes. She was concerned that he might try to hurt her. Thank you, sir. Well, now I wish we hadn't withdrawn our objection at all if I knew you were going to say that. Mr. Herrick. So your wife told you the things she was discussing with her therapist? Yes. Had she engaged in any other affairs? Not to my knowledge, no. Had she talked to you perhaps about being unusually attracted to a younger man, an attraction that both she and her therapist considered unhealthy? Uh-oh. Mr. Homestead, did she tell you she had been sexually attracted to another man, a younger man? Yes. A man that she had once even kissed? Yes. Sir, do you see that man in the courtroom today? Uh-oh, twisty twist. Yes. Could you identify him for the court, please? My son. Her stepson. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, indeed. <laughs> well, isn't this exciting? Objection. Withdrawal. <laughs> Sir, how many hours were you that was a really bad before cut. notifying the police yeah. that your wife was missing? I don't know. Uh, around five hours. Forgive me, sir, but Not I have good to editing, ask guys. a question. You can do better. That's on everybody's mind. Joey Harris, you got to edit him good. Did you kill your wife? Objection. Overruled. Obviously, Maybe. it wasn't over like she said between her and my client. They found his sperm. She clearly lied to you. She has an affair. You learn she kisses her stepson, your son. Then you find out she's lying and still sleeping with the man she claims to be afraid of. If indeed she said that, only you know for sure. Did you kill your wife? No, I did not. I don't believe you. Objection! Mr. Herrick. Nothing further, Your Honor. He That's a pretty effective plan B. Us, Bobby. He's not even letting us in on all of his cards. Yeah, so, We're simply so, sitting in a courtroom as spectators to be impressed. Thank you, Eleanor. My, what I'm thinking here is, not only did we not say anything, we haven't been part of the calculations that Joey's making. So the question here, halfway through the episode, is why did he bring us on board? It wasn't that. for our expertise. It wasn't for our clout. 
Why are we here? That is a very good question. Which is exactly what his narcissistic disorder is all about. He needs other people to see his achievements in order for him to enjoy them. Well, we can't get out now, Eleanor. So fucking good. We were just talking about you, Joey. Nice little bombshell. Wasn't it, though? Why didn't you tell us about it? Oh, come on. It ruined the surprise. Now, the question becomes, do I let Daniel testify? Things are going so well. Does he have any skeletons? Not that I'm aware of. Then he has yes, to if testify. if you're just listening, he, he darkened his hair. He has to explain the semen. And the blood so, in his car. Uh, I could rest now. I'd argue they didn't make their burden. We've seen three Joey, different flavors Things aren't going that well. Joey's hair. You need it's to put him up there. Totally white, totally black, and now salt and pepper. I'll do whatever you want. But Jennifer, we're not going to win this. He's prepared to put an army of lawyers on this. I think we should just let it go. The man Jimmy. rapes me. And I'm supposed to just let it go? In walks... Mr. The Billy? secretary. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. First, I'm going to deny saying everything I'm about to tell you. Always a good starter. Okay. Paige Leong again. I don't know if Mr. Mathis did what you're saying he did. But there's a junior partner at my firm. He keeps asking me what's going on. It's like he's too interested, you know? I think he knows something. What's his name? She hands him a business card. Like I say, we never had this conversation. Business card that says, I'm an over five now. Dude, that scene was shot Jimmy, awesome. Back, that back shot of Jimmy's pool. complaint. Move for an emergency deposition to be taken prior to filing the complaint. Can you do that? Well, if there's a danger, the evidence could be lost. This junior partner will have a lot of pressure put on him. You need to get him in a room now and put him under oath. Jimmy would have known that, but I think they needed the exposition to be said, so it had to be yeah. advised by you. The audience had to say it, yeah. Why not just file the complaint, counsel? We're happy Jimmy's to knowledge do that, or know. lack of knowledge is I very convenient. I would think the defendant would seek to explore ways of making this go away before we file. Frank Bernie is back as Judge West. Record. That kind of threat is evidence of the extortion. Look, I have the automatic right to depose him after we sue. We're happy to take that route. Mr. Baloney, don't insult me. The only reason you're not formally suing is because by doing so, your card is played and you lose leverage. This thing has a bad stench to it. But, Mr. Miles, it's not a question as to whether he can depose this lawyer. This motion only covers timing. We're even willing to come to your place. I'm going to allow the deposition. But, Mr. Baloudi, like I say, I don't like the stench. Keith, I've been meaning to tell to you that club. for a while. <laughs> At 6 p.m.? It's a little early, isn't it? It was an underground club. Mostly gay. But a lot of heterosexuals went there primarily to have sex. They had sex in the club? Yes. And you and Gene Homestead went to this club on the night of the murder? Yes. Daniel? The stepson is a dead what ringer did you do for, the guy, for the defendant. We danced. We made love. 
What time did you leave? Probably around eight or nine. Keith. Uh, so, as we found in some David A. Kelly episodes, sometimes I find that uh, generally speaking, the the portrayal of the homosexual characters are generally uh, involved in one of the other homosexual characters we see in the episode, since there's so few. What are the chances Joey Herrick has an illicit sexual relationship with one of these two people? Hmm. Mm. It's certainly... Uh, uh, it, it it certainly has been brought up. We have, uh, I mean, uh, in 90s TV, you have two gay references in one episode. You know it's got to be related in somehow because, you know, <laughs> there's only one gay pe- person at a time on TV at that point. So how does he how does he use our firm as a shield if that's the case? I drove her home. I don't know. Did you go inside? Well, I do know, but I'm no. not going to tell you. I dropped her off, then I went home. You never went back to her house? No. Well, did you receive her phone message? No, that message was left on my business cell, which she would know I wouldn't get. That message was left to set me up. Objection. Sustained. Daniel, what about those microscopic traces of blood that were found in the back seat of your car? I have no idea. I mean, she's certainly been in the back seat of my car many times. Sometimes we even made love there. Anybody see you and Mrs. Homestead at this club? I'm sure people did. No one's come forward. It's funny how not one waitress, not one bartender, not one patron remembers seeing you there. It's a pretty crowded place. Any witnesses to establish that you were home alone the night of the murder? If there were witnesses, I wouldn't have been alone. Ever been convicted of a felony, Mr. Carrington? Uh-oh. row. Once. Many years ago. What was it? Assault. Assault and battery. You beat up a girlfriend, didn't you, Mr. Carrington? I pushed her. Pushed her, and she was hospitalized with three broken ribs. Wasn't she, Mr. Carrington? Not great. Joey's a little pissed. Did you know about that conviction? So what? He was only 19 at the time. It doesn't matter. That felony was reason enough to keep him off the stand. You told me to put him on. We didn't know he beat up a former girlfriend. Well, the jury had to hear his story. How about you letting us in on all the facts from now on? Just, just help me prepare my closing. We'll meet you back at the office. Oh, some sort of shoe is still about to drop, y'all. I can feel it. I have no information whatsoever. What's your relationship with Mr. Mathis? I work with him. We're both lawyers in the same firm. Do you socialize together? No, we do not. Were you in the Palmer House Hotel on the evening of April 12th? No, I was not. Do you have any information concerning the events involving Mr. Mathis on April 12th? Asked and answered. I will answer it again. I don't know what you're talking about and I have no information. Do you enjoy hot dogs with tuna fish on them? Do you know Jennifer Cole? No, I do not. It's a hot dog sandwich. Ever heard of it before? Hot dog and tuna fish. Only in connection they with coexist. this lawsuit. Tuna fish is not a garnish, sir. Okay, we're done. You can go, Mark. 
Well, that was not enlightening. You also, please. If you go forward with this lawsuit, Mr. Baluti, this is the counterclaim that awaits you. Never mind abuse of process. There are counts of libel, defamation of character. You can't sue me for what I allege in a complaint. Oh, we will. And truthfully, I hope we lose the first go-round. That'll give us a chance to go to the appeals court, possibly the SJC. I hope you like working on this case, Mr. Berluti, because for the next three years, you'll have time for little else. Sorry we're late. We were held up in court, and we all wanted to come over together. What is this? This is an army, Mr. Mathis. Yes! Well, that's gonna clip. See, you may have thought to yourself, nobody's gonna take up the cause of a lowly prostitute. But you were wrong. Jennifer Cole is a friend of this firm. We care about Jennifer Cole. We stand committed to exercising Jennifer Cole's rights. I guess what I'm trying to say, Mr. Mathis, if you want a war, you've got one. Yeah! You think you're ready to challenge the resources of this law firm? Do some research. We've been up against big firms before and beaten them for a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. Which we never really spend on anything. Uh, that's right. Always yeah, taking never cases to have for the money. Yeah. is a terrible thing to waste, Mr. Mathis. You people are what give lawyers a bad name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we know. We know. We know. Rape give us a bad name. Look, Zing. we can fight or we can settle this. But like Eugene Young said, if it's a fight you want, you're Eugene in Young? for a big one. And win or lose, you lose. I got a very big dick. This episode's got babies on babies on babies. More babies. They must have gotten like a discount on babies this season. They went to Costco and got like a $175,000. All conditioned on total confidentiality. 175000 I think we should take it. Okay. We'll have to check tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. But Jennifer, listen. You're gonna have to stop being a prostitute. This guy Mathis, if he's capable of rape, we just left him pretty hot. I don't want you ever going back to the Palmer house. I won't. You have a little girl, Jennifer. She needs you. The other night, you could have been killed. You need to start over. I will, Jimmy. And not just for her, but for you. You don't owe me nothing. I owe you my life, Jimmy. And I'll never forget it. And commercial break. She told her husband she feared Daniel Carrington. Feared oh, that he might wait. hurt her. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing, closing time. time. Otherwise you're 
found dead, dead with traces of Daniel Carrington's semen in her. Her blood is found in Daniel Carrington's car. Come on. He previously beat up and hospitalized another girlfriend. All the evidence in this case points to him. And what's his story? They made love in a bar. Nobody saw them in this bar. Not one patron, not one waitress or bartender. There was a message from the victim breaking off the relationship, a message to the defendant left one hour before she was murdered. There is no doubt here, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Carrington murdered Jean Homestead. Murdered her. What you got, Joey? I certainly understand the theory that Danny did it. His sperm, the blood, the phone message. It makes perfect sense to jump to that conclusion, doesn't it? But we don't jump to conclusions in murder trials. The evidence has to establish guilt beyond all reasonable doubt. Now, have they really done so here? They certainly didn't rule out that they made love at the club or that Danny was alone at home. And let's face it, we really can't rule out the husband, can we? He had motive, opportunity, no alibi. What about the stepson, for that matter? Hmm? Any stepson embroiled in an Oedipal affair? Certainly capable of twisted turns. Doesn't even stop there. Suppose Danny Carrington had another lover. No evidence, to be sure, but they didn't even investigate that. And is it really that far-fetched? Could it be you, Joey? The other lover gets wind of the little session at the club, goes to the victim's house, threatens her. Is Joey Herrick defending a client where Joey Herrick is actually the murderer? And he does it with us sitting there just to shove it up our ass? Because that is fucking awesome. <laughs> Forces her to make that phone call to implicate Danny. Then he or she kills the woman. It should be dawning Dumps on Bobby right now alley, that that's what's happening. Knowing full well who the police will blame. He or she even plants that little blood speck in his car. Fan. Now, Danny is the obvious <laughs> suspect. But it could have been anybody. Yep, Bobby's, Bobby's, the wheels are turning. Maybe the judge. He's going to say, maybe it was me. Maybe me. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby, baby. Looking straight at now, Bobby. <laughs> could have been a bonehead stupid murder by Danny. Or one of the more. And even if Bobby figures it out, isn't this all protected? Well, he's got to prove it. Perfect. He hasn't done it. Like, by all somebody else to frame him. Put together a hypothetical. The husband. The stepson. A female lover. A big, gay, sick lover. Anybody. Oh, now Eleanor figured it the out. Simple truth is we don't know. Certainly not beyond all reasonable doubt.
Oh, that look. <laughs> oh, Johnny. Johnny Larroquette, give it to me. <laughs> they sent you with the check? No, the check is coming by messenger. Uh, may I see you in private, Mr. Berluti? This is the guy the secretary said was interested in the case. I'm a man of conscience. Are you? Which made yesterday one of the most difficult days in my life. I lied in my deposition, Mr. Berluti. Yeah, yeah. I had a Nowhere. hunch. I don't think you had this particular hunch. Oh, shit, are we getting a double zing? About six weeks ago, I met Jennifer Cole in the Palmer House. She passed herself off as a young advertising executive. We got a room, we made love. After which she informed me that she was a prostitute. And if I didn't give her $10,000, she would tell my wife. Oh, she fucked Jimmy. Or cry rape. Here's a copy of my check. There's nothing to be done now. Your case is settled. But these are people with families, Mr. Berluti. It's difficult for me to stay quiet, knowing she's going to do this again. Did you kill her? Bobby, I was throwing out a hypothetical. I don't think so, Joey. This totally fits your narcissistic disorder. The only reason we were at that table was to be an audience for that smile. You did it, and you wanted us to know you did it. You've been watching too much television. Did you and Danny used to be lovers? I'm doing it well, now. Now that you mention it. That's how I got the case. I'm going to the DA. Oh, please, Bobby, the jury's out. If we win, you've got nothing to say. If we lose, well, DA's just So did you hear that? He so is having an affair with the defendant. Listen. I think you want to lose. That's why you put your guy on the stand with a felony conviction and that closing? Well, wait, wait, what was wrong with my closing? It was ridiculous. Maybe the judge did it, maybe a juror did it. I also said maybe the lawyer did it. That part you seem to believe. You killed her! Bobby! <laughs> Bobby? Bobby? You think I'm evil? You murdered his lover, framed him, got yourself put on as his lawyer to guarantee he goes away. Well, I must say, it does sound worthy of me. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> What's the matter? The name Mark Green didn't ring a bell with you, Jennifer. You cast his check. Oh, that's this character. She's great because you, you did she the plays same the victim so well. You did to Mathis. Here's your check. Take it. Walk out of this office and never come back here again. These people are rich, Jimmy. It's expensive raising a child. And the biggest problem your child has is having you for a mother. Oof. If I hear of this happening ever again, I'll go to the police and to social services to take that child away from you. Take the check 
walk out and never come back. Bataluco flexing those actings. Also, great shot of Lisa Gay Hamilton reacting to all of that. And you can tell she's reacting to like three different emotions in that. It, it, she's amazing. Great direction in this episode. Great direction. <coughs> I'm so nervous. Will the defendant Here please comes verdict time? Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a unanimous verdict? We have, Your Honor. What say you? In the matter of the Commonwealth versus Daniel Carrington, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we, the jury, find the defendant, Daniel Carrington, guilty. This way, he doesn't have to go to prison for it. That's right. We will appeal, Your Honor. So noted. Members of the jury, this completes your service. Security, will you take the defendant into custody? We're hereby adjourned. Daniel, listen, don't lose hope. We will keep trying. Well, what happens now? I'm right? come right in. We're going to start talking about our appeal. Now, Danny, don't lose hope. I... Don't lose hope, Danny. Remember, in the end, it's a good world. <laughs> well, guess you can't win them all. If I can figure out a way to reveal what I know, I will. Certainly you know the allegation that I tried to lose a case would be libel, per se. Listen, Kayla, sometimes you have to accept unfortunate outcomes. All part of being a lawyer, isn't it? Right, Ellie? Well, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go try to dig up some new clients. Until <laughs> we meet again. Back, David E. Kelly. Woo! Welcome back to practice. All right, folks, you know what it's time for. It is time to, if you care to see our ugly mugs talking about it, to hop back over to YouTube because it's time for the after show show. And we are back, baby. Here we go. We just watched the practice season six, episode eighteen, "The Return of Joey Herrick." Woo! Really fun. Uh, it, just in case you missed it, we know you didn't miss it. You're <laughs> not gonna like not watch that episode and listen to us talk about it. Come on, we all know what's going on here. Y'all, you know, watched it on Hulu, which you paid full price for your subscription for, uh, and not sharing it with your friends. But just in case, let's do a segment we like to call mm, two, three, four. Mike has thirty seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Segment. Segment. Hey, segment. guess what? Joey Herrick's back. They always forget that second part. Joey Herrick's back, and he is uh, defending a guy who's you know on trial for murder. Also, Jimmy's friend Jennifer is also back from season two, and she got raped, or did she? Turns out, it doesn't look like she did. She just siphoned money from all those rich people. And Joey was banging that guy, killed his wife, and uh, yeah, got away with it. And put him in jail for murder. Oh, yeah, th that too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, there we go. Can you uh, do it all again? Just in, you know, fewer syllables? 
Joey C is back. Jen works a sex scheme for cash. A killer lawyer. Okay, very good. Except for uh, uh, Joey H. You said Joey C. <laughs> why did I? Why did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely Joey H. Joey H. Joey H. Yeah. But that, that uh, very good. <laughs> uh, yeah. You had a typo. You had a typo in yeah, your. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. It's cool. Yeah. And you want to know what happens to the best of us and the worst of us? It's time for an award show. The Out of Practice Podcast. In unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike! What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show that begins every week with everyone's favorite. Everyone just maybe turn up your headphones just Mm -hmm. a little bit. If there's other noise in the room, you know, tell the kids to shush because you really want to take this. Oh, and now that we know everything's fine, Keith, we can really indulge. Yeah, no, that's true. Now that you don't need surgery, <laughs> even though this clip might make you think, ah, maybe we need some anyway. It's time for <laughs> never gets old, guys. What if you want to lose in order to put an innocent person in prison so that you don't have to go in prison? And just to do that, you pass the bar. I would say that makes you a pretty awesome lawyer. So well, why can't Joey H. be most valuable lawyer for himself? He, the value was for himself, right? He's been most valuable lawyer before. Yeah. Why stop that now? No. And, you know, if if the most valuable... But if you're going to be, if you're going to go from the point of view of a sociopath, most valuable is most effective at getting what you want. That has nothing to do with good or bad. Although. 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 Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to argue with myself. I would say that he also presented a damn good case. I, it would be plausibly believable if they returned a not guilty verdict because he did provide a great plan B and some reasonable doubt. However, he did. he did then let that assault thing slip in at the last minute. That's why he put him on the stand to ensure that he would get the last minute. So it looked like he put on a great case, and that he was excellent in his deception. Yes. In fact, I, cause I was going to say, part of what makes him effective here is that he 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 threw a case, but did it in such a way that made it look like he was trying to win the case, so therefore it can't really be overturned on appeal because of bad, because ineffective counsel, because he was effective, he just happened to lose. So, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's pretty cut and dry. Yes. Congratulations, Joey Herrick, on your most valuable lawyer award. Coming up next, oh boy, can can he get a three-peat? But uh, I'll tell you, 
after we dance. Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck First entry on your IMDB Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode Y'all, uh, lots to shout out here I want to shout out uh, the actress who plays Jennifer Tracy Mittendorf Tracy, because she... Speaking of excellent in their deception, she was excellent here too. Not only did she pull the con, but she also had to screw Jimmy in that con. Now, I think she would justify it in her head that they took these rich people down and Jimmy got his piece of the 175 and all as well. But she did have to take her friend for a ride in order to do that. And it's not the first time. And even though we've been we've been through the you know, David E. Kelly used her last arc to convince us the audience that we were going to give her the deference of the the benefit of the doubt she wasn't she and she played that script perfectly she she brought us along for the ride she was excellent however i just don't know how john Larroquette can he not only did he chew the scenery up but the sheer joy it's clear that he has in playing this yeah. character is yeah. effusive. And we take it, we enjoy it, and it's nice to root for the bad guy. At no time during any piece of this episode did you not know that he was gonna pull some shit. I didn't figure it out until when they exactly when they wanted me to figure it out, because we'll talk about that the great writing and pacing and all that in a moment. But this was a tour de force. Every time he shows up, it's a tour de force. Even when he randomly like jigsaws himself into a, a hospital monitor for just like a right. cameo, it's still great. So there's just no way that John Larroquette is wasn't gonna come and just like steal this oopsie right right off the right off the desk. But uh, he did so with a plum uh, because he is just excellent in this episode. Not only does he chew the scenery, but he also grounds it when he needs to to play the character of the lawyer. And every time he teases Bobby and 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 sort of rubs it in their face, it's just so excellent. You'd almost think it's going to be difficult to juxtapose that sort of carefree performance with the other case, but we'll talk about it later. I feel like they they pulled it off. So uh, I think that John Larroquette gets another oopsie on his shelf. Yeah, well, uh, previously he had a pair of oopsies. No, he's gonna have three, and I, I instead of saying anything, I think he just deserves this. Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, 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 the Massachusetts, 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 Massachusetts. Yes, yeah. I mean, come on, John Larroquette, take it away, uh, please. In an alternate universe in which the show is still running. He joins the firm as Joey Herrick and becomes a regular character. Uh, in, in, in which case, it would not have been canceled ever. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, get him and Denny Crane together and let's see where it goes. Yeah, well, we'll see. Okay, let's. Whoa, Keith, dropping the hot take. Uh, the uh, breadcrumbs. Little breadcrumbs, little breadcrumbs. We'll see, we'll see. But first, we have to see who I'm is well the. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best 
actor on the show. You know, when I, I wrote that jingle, I forgot that all of those things actually happened. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, be, like I, I forgot that Eleanor eventually would actually kill her podiatrist. <laughs> Listen, uh, Keith and I have talked about, and, and maybe some of you have rolled your eyes at us talking about the the reacting skills of some of our cast. This episode is a super example of excellent reactive acting. Just watch Dylan McDermott and Cameron and uh, uh, Lisa Gay. Lisa Gay Hamilton reacting throughout this entire episode. Yes, they all get some great lines to deliver, some great one-liners, but just that Bobby's realization in real time of the Joe Herrick scheme is awesome. As Keith mentioned, the multifaceted reaction of Lisa Gay in that uh, scene towards the end is excellent. It's just great. Uh, even that scene where like Avengers, Avengers assemble behind Jimmy, uh, as sort of hokey as it actually is, because like Jimmy didn't know they were coming and they like planned this great. It's a little hokey, but it's not hokey, and it actually was kind of moving because of how excellent this cast is. Uh, so that's awesome. However, uh, I think that Michael Bataluco is my Oopsie Award winner just because you see his compassion and dedication to his friend through this entire episode. You see the, you feel and see the David versus Goliath types of uh, battle that he's waging here, even though it's a beat we've run before. Uh, and then you see sort of his anger and and crushing emotional defeat at the end. And it's all just superb. So Michael Bataluco, uh, best actor. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I think it's, it is Michael's episode, at least of our main cast. Yeah, um, yeah and he, it, he's, he really does... Um, righteous anger well there's you know certain certain characters are sort of better than that another we see it from bobby all the time but like steve harris really crushes it michael really crushes it lisa gay really crushes it and uh yeah but 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 this time it was tinged with like heartbreak Mm -hmm. because like he's had his heart broken by this woman over and over and over again and it's uh it's all honest there and um, I, I, you know, I, I, I mentioned you mentioned it. I mentioned about Lisa Gay's reaction while uh, while Jimmy is sort of putting the screws to this woman. What I loved about what Lisa Gay did in that moment is she was able to, in one look, say, "Like fuck you, you're right, Jimmy. Oh God, this is heartbreaking. I feel weird about this, and yet I know this is the right thing to do." I'm sad and I'm like all of it in like a split second, all of these things washed over her face in that one moment. And it's really extraordinary acting. But uh, anyway, so Michael Bataluco, congratulations on your best actor award. Coming up next, our good friend here as always. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Guys, this is how good Joey Herrick is. Joey Herrick can convince us of anything. He can become a, a lawyer. He can even fool 
a stadium full of people into thinking that he is Tom Brady. So this week, it's actually Ooh. Joey Herrick Brady uh, winning the Tom Brady. The first time a non-Tom Brady has actually won Ooh, the Tom a Brady. A Tom Brady impersonator. Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Fake Brady. It's Joey Herrick. Tom Brady. Congratulations on your Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Coming up next, it's our it's our grand finale. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. So, yes. Am I pumped that Joey Herrick's back? Yes. Am I going to probably unfairly inflate my rating because Joey Herrick's back? Yeah, probably. But here's the thing. David e. Kelly walked a tightrope this episode. He gave us the like slightly comedic Joey Herrick tonality juxtaposed with a really serious plot line with Jennifer and Jimmy uh, and also took us through twists and turns in both episodes. And what I thought was really well handled, both from a directing aspect, writing aspect, and performance, just a pacing aspect, was that we sort of get cocky with ourselves in kind of almost beat by beat predicting along with Bobby and the and the firm what's happening in the Joey Herrick case, right? The revelation sort of comes about organically and, and we're led to believe. We feel a little bit proud that we're figuring it out, but also it's he lays the breadcrumbs kind of throughout the episode. So that's cool. But in the other case, it's the direct opposite. I really did, I didn't, figure that out until the very end, right? They even kind of in the deposition, they plant the seed that there's something, there's another layer, but we're so celebratory in our bringing down Goliath again that he fools us because when the, the Avengers assemble moment in that deposition scene, I think becomes the focal point for me, the the new viewer, rather than the, oh wait, what's what? how is this truth being obfuscated here? So I, I I thought that was great because it does allow for like a, a twist that is not just a gotcha twist, which is what we complain about often, but a great emotional twist for Jimmy, for us, and the fact that even when we are in the righteous pursuit, right, from Eugene saying, look, we're going after them, from the firm coming and saying, we support Jimmy, we support this poor victim, and then us getting screwed at the end, <laughs> it's awesome. It's a uh, we're fighting for the right thing, but we win for the wrong reasons. The other case is we're fighting for the wrong reasons and we lose for the right reason. It's all it's all things. Add on top of that, it's paced really well. Add on top of that, the performances front to back to back to front are excellent and is in and more than that, superlative in some ways. Um it's a great episode. I don't have a lot of nits to pick. Uh, even the Joey Herrick, it, it, even every, it, you could write any, this is one of those things, you could write him any sort of plot and, it, and they'll find a way to make it work. Uh, I'm glad David E. Kelly's back. Uh, I mean, I guess we could make a comment, a social comment on, by making the victim, making Jennifer sort of a, the the villain here, there's probably a, a larger social commentary that is hurt because of it. Don't worry, it's coming. Yeah, but it's an episode of television, uh, and uh, it's a really great one. 
because of the implication there at the end, I think I'm gonna ding it from being like in my top tops, but I'm gonna give it 8.97 spare tires. Woo, so close to nine. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with all of that. And there's, I have a couple thoughts. Uh, one, I'll, I'll just, I'll start with the ding right away. Um, you know, I, I was so on board with us sticking up for this sex worker, this person, this, this, um, person from a, from a type of people who are constantly taken advantage of and not, you know, stood up for. And, um, you know, and so I, I loved that we believed the victim, our heroes believed the victim and we went to battle for her. And that, and that made me feel great. I was like, wow, this is really maybe a little ahead of its time. I I'm, I'm so on board. I did not like the twist. I did not like the fact that, oh wait, no, she is this devious liar because I, it, it's it's not like it's not a valid story and it's not like it wasn't interesting in a vacuum, but just in a in a world in which we uh, are are struggling to believe victims, we are struggling to particularly believe victims uh, who are disadvantaged. And, uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't like that leaning into the stereotype that all sex workers are like liars and devious, this, that, the other thing. So like, yes, me, I have that me, thought. Let, let me make a qualification to that ding because I, I gave it a little short shrift on my side and I want to add to what you're saying. Yes. Everything you just said. Yes. However, I think what's more damaging in the, in the big picture is not the fact that they made her that devious because they did give her that little bit of a sentence to Jimmy of why she did it and all these things. What's more damaging is that is how easily they let the men off the hook, right? Clearly they show the main guy with his family and then when the other guy comes in to give his what they give him like a hero scene because right. he comes in and he's truthful even though he just lied in a deposition and also, you know, did have sex with the prostitute. That's like oh, she's well, although, she's a professional versus a guy who's just like, you know, so they let the men yeah, off the no, hook very and easily. No, I I well I I I think in his case we don't know if he has a family. We don't know if he's married. So from his point of view, he met what he thought was an advertising executive in a bar and hooked up. There's nothing wrong with that. So like him, okay, fair. him I'm with, but the, you know, the Larry Pressman character, like we let him off the hook. He's cheating on his wife with a wildly younger woman. His deniability that I didn't know she was a prostitute, even though he's like 65 and she's 25, and like, eh, you had to have a, I mean, I, again, like there's, there's not enough scrutiny put on his decision-making process. So I, I, I think it's a good point. And it's, it's a point that I was going to bring up, but then I forgot. So I'm glad you brought it up. Um, that said, that said, that said, in a vacuum, as just an interesting episode of television with twists and turns and emotional implications... If, if we lived in a world that treated victims and sex workers with the proper respect and interest and, and compassion, then this would be a great story because it'd be like, oh, wow, what a surprise. And, you know, because we all sorts of classes of people who aren't marginalized, we tell these stories where it turns out twist, they did something bad. We're like 100% on board. So like... The, you you sort of have like the the bigger picture intruding on this story. 
now, to get to the to get to the meat of the issue, the Joey Herrick case. So many times we have dinged this show on um, when it verges into the ridiculous, when it verges into the silly a little bit. And I I think silly is not the problem. In an episode like this, the, the character of Joey Herrick and the episodes that he's in are patently silly. They're, they're ridiculous. But if you do silly extraordinarily well, both from a writing standpoint and from a performing standpoint, it's okay. We're still on board. The issue is not that it verges into silly. It's when you're silly and bad. It's, you know, it's, it's a little bit like, you know, uh, a comedy about dark stuff. It's not that you can't be funny. It's just you have the, 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 the bar is set very high before it, it, it's where it, it becomes funny and not offensive or upsetting or whatever it is. So uh, the Joey Herrick character is ridiculous. Remember like the scene? In fact, we uh, in our intro from this, we see him in the acting good section. He's got a piano in jail and he's singing a song in his jail cell with a piano? Like, yeah. what the hell is that? But we don't care because it's so funny and so well-performed and uh, and it's appropriate to the character. So this is a case where, like, David E. Kelly comes in and says, like, no, this is how you do it. <laughs> this is how you structure an episode. This is how you build a character. This is how you build a storyline so that you can get away with a twisty McTwist that doesn't feel ridiculous it feels earned and not like annoying and and you can have this broad chin suing scenery chewing performance from an actor this is how you can get away with it and still feel like we're in the real world uh so you know this it's a return to form this is what i miss i've been missing this you know, not necessarily Joey Herrick, but just sort of like the confidence and the the justified, whatever you're going to do, do it well enough so that it's justified. Um, and so, yeah, I really liked this episode. I'm going to ding it half a point, uh, you know, for the for the not believing the or not. They did believe. Uh, but for that for that story. But even still. Return of Joey Herrick, you're getting the full nine for me. Wow. You know what? Maybe bump it a little bit, Keith, so, our, so maybe our average comes up to nine. All right, 9.03. Okay. So the average go. is exactly nine. Wow. Like there it, it is, like it. folks. Uh, yeah, really, really fun. Uh, we have one more thing to do before we hit the bumper. So that's Joey Herrick uh, as his original lawyer form, in his original lawyer form. Is that what that is? That's right. That's, uh, that is Dan from Night Court. The original Joey Herrick is a, uh, an annoying lawyer, uh, naturally. A little obvious, a little on the nose, but that's kind of how we work with, uh, with Joey Herrick. Well, folks, you've gotten through a pretty good episode of The Practice. If you would like to reach out and talk to us, you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. While you're at it, do us a huge favor. Nobody's done it in 17 years. Join the jury by leaving us a rating and review. 
you can uh, just put it on Apple Podcasts or any other service of your choice. Let us know. We'll read it. We're going to welcome you to the jury. Speaking of people who are always welcome on our show and in our hearts, please welcome our founding sponsors, Jorge Navoa, Cloud Lover 69, Leanne Wrights, Jennifer Masanova, and Ari Kuhn. Did you know you can get your name on that list? You can force Keith to have to Photoshop that list. I have to any find the file. I have to want, type it in. Any spelling, Keith will do it. Do you enjoy us shouting over bumpers? If so, you can donate money by clicking one of our two links to leave a one-time contribution or a monthly contribution. We appreciate those who have done it and those who have sustained their contributions. It helps us keeping ourselves doing this. Hey, you know what? Go to law school, pass the bar, kill your boyfriend's wife. As long as at the end of it, you take some time to come back to where it all started and give us some laser sounds. Laser sounds.